as Larry mentioned, it was uh, 25 years ago this week that Lion Lamb Church was born. It was a painful, unhappy, and messy birth, and that's stating it positively. It was like an untimely and unplanned pregnancy, a second work of grace no one wanted and many of us dreaded. This church's birth was due to a church split in a group that had only a year previously left Topeka Bible Church to plant Fellowship Bible Church. And unbeknownst to most of the people that were part of that plant, there was uh, challenges within leadership almost from day one that simply would not go away, serious, significant things. And it had to do with what did going forward in faith look like. We had a severe disagreement on what that looked like. And so about leadership and about half of the church uh, said uh, we would not be going the same direction. So it wasn't actually clear that those who left FBC would in fact plant another church. I think Sean mentioned earlier it was October 12, 1997, that group first met in Gage Park. And uh, everything was iffy and everything was dicey. And we didn't know what we were going to do or what, what the direction looked like at all. We began meeting in homes. And as week followed week, there was a growing sense that we should continue meeting together. Mark's going to give some history of what that looked like physically. And Kent and Larry are going to follow up both with things related to the church as it is and hopes for the future as well. But we wanted to recognize God's faithfulness in the past 25 years looking back and then also not presuming but trusting in God's grace going forward too and what that might look like. I'm going to focus here first briefly on what going forward in the past looked like 25 years ago regarding church priorities and character and from that tell you what my future hope for Lion and Lamb Church is. This group's DNA has always been about majoring on the majors. Jesus uh, puts it quite simply in the Gospels when he was asked, what's the great commandment? He said, the great commandment is love God with all that you are and all that you have. He volunteers, the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Those priorities were true before God gave the law to Moses. They were true then and they're true today. We are called to love God and love each other. Scripture tells us, Jesus told us in John 14, what loving God looks like. Not what I say, what it looks like. John 14, 15, he said, If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. Love God, Jesus says, by obeying his commands. And therefore, the next thing he says is one of his commands. If we don't do the next thing he says, we are not demonstrating love for God. He also said this in the same context, John 13. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Love for each other, Jesus says, shows that we are truly following him. Don't say you love God if you don't love others. There was a meeting several years into the life of Lion and Lamb Church. It was in the home 
of uh, one of the leaders, and it was a discouraging time, it was a challenging time, and we were discussing the end of the church. We, we basically said, we wonder if it isn't time to throw in the towel. And uh, it was, none of us went in the, to that conversation with that in mind, but it looked like that's where it was going. <coughs> Excuse me. And there's this painful sort of dread, maybe relief too, at the same time settling in on this uh, meeting. Are we really saying Line 9 Church is over? And there's this awkward silence as this is sinking in. And uh, one of the brothers there interrupts the silence to say, what about Pat and Evelyn? What will happen to Pat and Evelyn? Uh, Pat and Evelyn, two lovely ladies who called Lion Lamb Church their home, and Lion Lamb Church was the only home they'd ever known, church family they'd ever known. And, and guys, that question saved the church. Lion Lamb Church exists today because the leader said, we can't quit meeting because we love and care for these two ladies. The church would not have continued meeting. We would have ended that night. More recently, during the COVID challenges, we continued meeting as church leaders in a church body out of loyal love, a commitment to be present for each other and with each other. Loving God and loving others has always been at the heart of Lion and Lamb Church from day one. This is my chief, chief hope for this church in the future, in my presence or in my absence, and it is not that you read your Bible. I assume that. I'm, I'm getting two digs in here at the same time. I'm assuming <laughs> that read your Bible is a given, that it's the foundation of this church, God's word. Singularly, with that as a given, my hope is that we embrace, that we are committed to, that we are known for Christ-like, loyal love. Love for God that expresses itself in loyal love to each other. My singular hope and prayer for this body is that it clings to, remains committed to, and demonstrates God's loyal love. In Exodus 34, Moses, who knew something about God, said, God, I want to know more of you. I want to see you. God says, I, you can't see me, but this is what I'll do. I'll walk by. As God walks by, this is his description of himself. At Yahweh, or the Lord, the Eternal One, the Existent One, the Lord, the Lord, a, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, abounding, overflowing in steadfast love and faithfulness. That term, steadfast love, loyal love, loving kindness, it gets uh, translated different ways. God overflows in steadfast love. And if we look like God, we overflow in steadfast love for each other. Friends, the church today looks a lot like the culture, which is to say we cancel each other with regularity. Your doctrine's not pure enough for me, and I cancel you, or you've offended me, and so I leave you. It's riven, and it's divided, and it should not be the case. One of the characteristics of the condition of the earth before Jesus' second coming, this Matthew 24, 12, is that the love of many will grow cold. Faced with the challenges that the earth will see in those days, it says the love of many will grow cold. May that never be true of Lion and Lamb Church. Our call to loyal love means things like we meet with each other. 
Sundays and in home groups. Are you in a home group? Do people know you and do you know others? Are you committed to each other in the bonds of loyal love? We pray with each other. We pray for each other. We're intentional about encouraging each other, speaking truth to each other for each other's benefits. We support each other emotionally, practically, financially, whatever is needed. This is absolutely the paradigm of the church in Acts. We are each other's cheerleaders as well as a shoulder to cry on. And friends, you can't do any of that if you don't forgive each other. I have no hope for Lion Lamb Church's future apart from an ongoing, hands-on, sleeves-rolled-up commitment to live out the loyal love of God to and with each other. Loyal love, faithful love, loving kindness is a key characteristic of God in the Old Testament. Agape love, that same theme, is true in the New. Jesus is characterized not only by holiness but by loyal love. And as we've said recently, God's great work in us is to transform us more fully into the image of Christ. The image of Christ in us is characterized by abounding, overflowing, loyal love. 1 John 4.21, whoever loves God must also love his brother. I leave you with this. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I'm a noisy gong, clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers, understand all mysteries and all knowledge, I have all faith so as to move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Skipping down, faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Thank you, Mike. Man, I am, I am so glad that I'm part of this body, that uh, God uh, brought Beth and I here back in 2010, and uh, that we serve a God that is steadfast love and mercy. I'm so thankful that, for that this morning. So this, uh, this building is not the church. This building that we are in is not the church. We, you know that. We say that, and for good reason. It's because it's true. Uh, this body could meet in a cathedral next week or we might be in a cave next week and we would still remain the church. That's who we are. In that regard, uh, the buildings that we're in, we're in is not important at all. On the other hand, the building that we're in is God's provision to us, given to us as a good gift for us and to do together together. In that regard, it's super important and we want to re receive that, you know, God's good gifts with uh, thanksgiving and gratitude this morning. We want to honor him and that's what I want to do this morning. I want to review the places that Lion and Lamb Church has met by, through God's provision for us. You know, whatever, um, however your story intersects with this church body, it does so in a place, in a physical space that God has provided for us. 
And so it's, it's worthy uh, to, to review what he's done. I will say at the outset, I am telling this, uh, the history from my perspective. This is how I saw events unfold. This is how I th think the Lord was working. This is how I remember the conversations. Now, I know any number of us could have a little bit different spin on that, so we'll kind of hold that out there to start. Uh, as Mike mentioned, the, uh, the first meeting of Lion Lamb was in October 12, 1997, and, and met in the park at Gage Park, and they did that uh, for a number of weeks, and then uh, they continued to meet there occasionally after services for picnic lunches. But like uh, most uh, uh, young churches, church plants, they met in homes, and they had a rotating schedule for that. So some of the, some of the homes they met in was at, uh, the Dave Schneider household. Dave was a, an early teacher and leader in the church. Of course, they met at the Halpins. They met at Brad and Jamie Runyon's home. Uh, they let, met at several businesses. One of them was Westside Stamp and Key. They met there at least one time. And then they uh, eventually landed at Dan and Julie McElroy's house for, for many months. And that's when they officially became Lion and Lamb Church when they were at the, at the McElroy household. From the McElroy's, they went to a karate center that was located in White Lakes Plaza. I think there was some, uh, was there a slogan about being in the karate center? What? Kick butt? Kick, the kick butt church? I remember something like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, those, those are the pioneer years. These are the early years. How many people here were part of that through the karate center years? Okay. Well, there's more than I thought here. You, get, you guys were the pioneers, and we, we appreciate you. Thanks for getting us started on the right, the right foot. <clears throat> So in uh, 2001, the Lord is going to bless uh, Lion and Lamb Church with a bit of physical stability, and the church is going to begin to meet at Care Paravel Latin School. And that was a tremendous blessing. Uh, the, uh, the relationship between Care Paravel and uh, Lion and Lamb Church, the Care Paravel offered a very favorable rate of rent to the church. We were like-minded. It was a great situation for, for both parties involved. If you remember what that, uh, those initial meetings there were like there at Care Paraval, they uh, met in the theater, and uh, you remember what that was like. So there was that tiered seating, right, down below, and then you had that, that half-round balcony above you, and then there was a, a large stage kind of set in the middle right there. So whoever was teaching or preaching that day, if Mike was teaching, he'd look down into the, the tiered section, and he'd look up into the balcony, up there, and if you were in the balcony, you're not sure who was down below you. Know, if you were down below, you didn't know who was above. So it was kind of two separate churches in, in one space. But man, those were those were sweet times in the theater, were they not? Those were absolutely wonderful times. The one regret I have about that is I never saw Mike preach from that little Juliet balcony on the side <laughs> stage, kind of that castle turret. It'd be fun to go back and do that. Yep. Yeah. Something really important, during those early years, God provided and blessed, and folks were really intentional about giving tithes to a, a building fund for a future, future building. And by uh, 2010 or so, they had around $100,000 set aside for a future building. Or should I say, the Lord set aside $100,000 for a future building. That was quite an achievement for that small body at that time. Uh, the church, uh, they began to grow, and eventually we outgrew the theater and then began kind of a debate. Now, now what do we do? Do we just try and uh, tough it out in the theater, or we've got a gym right there. We can move over to the gym, but that, that was not, um, didn't come without problems. There were, there were challenges with meeting in the gym, and so there was kind of debate back and forth, and what do we do? What do we do? Discuss. We pray, and eventually feel the Lord leading. Go ahead. 
and move over to the gym. And wow, did that turn out to be a blessing to meet in the gym over there. Now we had plenty of room for everybody. We could spread out, get all the chairs set in there. But that did present a whole new rhythm of getting ready for Sunday morning services. If you were part of that crew that set up the gym for those services, you remember what that was like? That you, if you were, uh, if you were on the setup crew, you were running the sound or you were in the worship band, you got to Care Paraville at about six o'clock in the morning. And then you started moving equipment around, you got the, the sound set up and you brought the projector in on that little cart and then you propped it up with some books up there and you pulled the screen down and you unloaded, uh, you unstacked 250 chairs and set them all around through the gym and you rolled the, uh, the coffee cart in from the uh, cafeteria about a half a mile into place. And then you, <laughs> then, you, then you took all the nursery stuff down those two long hallways all the way down to the library and you set up the nursery among the book stacks in there. It was awesome. It was awesome. <laughs> you rolled the, uh, you, you pushed the, the basketball goal up. Uh, the, uh, probably the most precious physical possessions the church had at that time was a series of tall metal rolling storage cabinets. And we had a bunch of those and all our earthly goods were stored inside those cabinets every week. And you, uh, you, had, to, you had to take them out very carefully. And then after service, you had to put everything back in just like it was with absolute precision packing. You literally had to be a Tetris expert to be <laughs> on the setup crew in those days. But that was, those were wonderful times. I absolutely loved that. I even loved the process of getting everything set up. Those were sweet times. That's what the Lord provided for us, and it was good. It was very, very good. If you remember, too, the gym didn't have air conditioning initially, and so we couldn't meet there in the summer times, and so we met off-site every summer. So some, sometimes we met at um, shelter houses at Lake Shawnee or at Gage Park. One summer we met at the Ramada. One summer we met at the Holodome. But that was all the Lord's blessing. All that worked out fine. It was great. So around uh, 2013, 2014, the body is still feeling like we would benefit from having a more permanent meeting space so that we didn't devote so much time to the physical setting up and down. We could get more permanent space and do other things that we desired to do. So we began looking at, at properties, numerous properties. One of those was Central Congregational Church at the 1200 block of Buchanan. Now, if you're familiar with that church building, it's a grand building, but it was in really, really poor condition when we looked at that, and uh, we debated about that. We'd have plenty enough room, but we didn't think that the $100,000 that we had in the bank would cover uh, ongoing maintenance there or the repairs that we would initially have. So we prayed about that, didn't know what we should do, but we did come to the conclusion we could not make a financial offer for that building. So this is what we did. We, made, we did make an offer. And it was this, we will take your building for free. <laughs> we will take that building off your hands for free. And of course, that was met with amusement by the realtor. <laughs> but you guys, I think this was a super significant moment for us because I think in, in doing that, we realized a couple of things. One, uh, the $100,000 was probably not gonna buy a building for Lion and Lamb Church. Two, I think we finally figured out what our budget was and it was gonna be free. Lord, we, <laughs> Lord we're, gonna need a we're gonna need a building for free. So meanwhile, meanwhile, Faith Baptist Church, the church that owned and occupied this building that we're in today, they had a congregation that had grown small and they were essentially winding down church operations at that time. And so they were thinking and they were, I would imagine they were praying, they were look, looking for a church body that was like-minded to them 
that was gospel-centered that they could give their building to for free. And they came and they asked, they said, would you like to take our building for free? And now you would think, man, that's a no-brainer. Of course, of course we're going to take it for free. But it wasn't that way. It was, uh, I don't know. And we really had to process, process that because the, the building was simply not large enough for our group. But as we continued to pray and, and discuss, we decided to move forward, and we accepted the generous offer from Faith Baptist Church in 2014. And then we moved over here, started, started some construction on the building. We immediately had to kind of gut out the deteriorated basement area. We hauled off tons of furnishings and materials. A lot of you participated in that. We had a great groups of people here on Saturday mornings, just a lot of tearing out, a lot of redoing, a lot of cleaning up. Uh, but it was wonderful. But the, the, the fact was the building still remained too small. And so to kind of address that, we went to, if you remember, we went to two services when we moved over here. And that really presented a taxing effort on all the volunteers. And we really didn't have much success. It was just kind of moderate. That eventually we decided, let's just scrap that idea. We're just going to deal with the congestion of bodies on Sunday morning. But you remember what that was like trying to get out the door here on Sunday? It was like a salmon swimming upstream only the strong could get out of this building on Sunday morning. <laughs> so we continue, continue to pray and continue to discuss, and then we start uh, tossing around ideas about maybe we add an addition to this building. And so we thought, okay, we got a couple architectural firms involved, and something just went completely amiss during this process because the architectural firms came back with proposals that ranged from 4 to $8 million to add on addition here. Four to eight million dollars. That was perfect for a group that had a hundred thousand dollars in the bank. <laughs> so we just we just hold on. We continue to pray. We think uh, eventually Willie Brooks and Mike help, and they think well maybe we could come up with a plan that we could uh, add on. So they started drawing up some plans and started looking at those, and then started uh, submitting those for some estimates. And we started getting estimates back in. And we, all of a sudden, we're starting to get encouraged a little bit. I, my heart started to flutter a little bit. And we thought, you know what? I think maybe we could add an addition for $350,000. You know, that seems, that seems reasonable. That seems within striking distance. And the Lord had $100,000 set aside for this very moment. And that $100,000, that was going to get us started, and then we could reasonably expect that we would raise the rest of the funds. And so, in 2019, we moved ahead with adding the addition. Now, little did we know that the plans for that space and what the cost, the final cost was going to be, it was going to come as a surprise to us. But the Lord knew it. Our budget eventually bloomed to about $550,000, which I, would, I think if we saw that on the front end, I'm not sure we would have felt at liberty to move ahead at that time, but the Lord knew it. And the Lord saw it, and the Lord provided every penny to finish that edition debt-free. Yeah. But that's not all he did. Our timeline on that build was longer than we expected, but I think the Lord is in the details here, too. So if you remember, about the last three months or so of that build that was conducted during on the, on the front end of the pandemic, during the time that we had reduced attendance here or we actually went online when we had nobody in the building. So it was during those times we were able to finish up some things that were, would be very disruptive to our uh, Sunday morning services, like putting in a driveway that we would have no way in or out. We would have been parking on the street. 
finishing up a lot of the drywall with all the dust that's involved with that, finishing up the flooring with all the glues and the odors and all those things. All those things were completed while we were not occupying the building. But the other thing is this, when we resumed services, we were gonna need more room for seating to help with the social mandates at that time. So the space in the North Edition is not set up like we initially intended it to be used. We couldn't imagine we were gonna have so many seats set up in there, it's not all what we, what we thought. But it was the Lord's perfect timing and his provision that made a way for us to come back together as a congregation, all the while addressing the COVID concerns that many of us had at that time. And that was the Lord again. So uh, just in winding down here, you know, it, when we look back, it's wonderful to look back. And in hindsight, you know, you can see the Lord's leading all the way on that. And you would say, oh, of course you made decisions. You did this and you did that because it's obvious what the Lord was doing. I think if you'd ask any of us, uh, did you know what you were doing at the time? Did you know what the Lord was doing? Absolutely not. We had no idea what we were doing. Uh, but the truth of it is, even though, even though we do this imperfectly, we have trusted in the Lord with all our hearts. We haven't relied on our own understanding. And to the best of our ability, we have acknowledged him in all our ways. And he has surely made our paths straight, and he will continue to do so. Hey, I've been asked, or I've to talk about the members of Lion and Lamb, our body. Uh, and uh, the Bible has a lot to say about members of the body, particularly Paul. But I think first a little personal uh, history of the Vincent's journey is, is appropriate here. Uh, our journey has been a little bit like Goldilocks and Three Bears. If it's been a while since you've been in the fairy tales, you know, Goldilocks goes into the uh, the empty lair, or whatever they call the bear, where the bears hang out. And she finds one bed that's too hard, one bed that's too soft, and one, bear, one bed that's just right. And so uh, we, uh, we ended up, at, landed in Topeka in 1980, and shortly after that ended up at Topeka Bible Church. And at that time, uh, TBC was, in numbers, was just a little larger than Lion and Lamb is right now, and it was great. We had great fellowship, great teaching, uh, and eventually I and three other uh, of, this, of the brothers there led a Sunday school class for families, whole families, and, and uh, the, the elders were very accommodating. Uh, they just said, just please just don't teach any heresy, and, and we tried to stick to that, uh, and, uh, and, and eventually... Uh, in the 90s, TBC started to grow a lot, uh, and I really appreciated their, their philosophy. They sent out a group to start Southwest TBC, and then in 95, 96, they sent out a group to start FBC, Fellowship Bible Church, uh, which is a great model to, 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 uh, to follow. Uh, and the Halpins and many others went out there to start FBC, and, and, and he's, he's told you about that. Uh, and shortly after that, we stayed at a TBC, and uh, it seemed to be getting a little more large than, than we were comfortable with. And so the three guys that I was working with in the Sunday school class, we decided to, to try the house church model, which works really well in third world countries. Uh, and uh, we went to the elders, and they blessed it. They just said, just remember that you've got kids, and this may not 
this may be difficult for your young people. And we took that advice, and you know, it, was, it, was, it was good. But we went on, and we tried, and it doesn't work in our country, <laughs> okay? At least not for us anyway. So we kind of morphed into a small fellowship of half a dozen or maybe eight families later on uh, in a small fellowship that met. And eventually, we just got to the point where the Vincents just felt like, with our kids growing up, they needed uh, more of a critical mass to, uh, to fellowship with. And so I knew about what had happened with uh, uh, Lion and Lamb. And so I came to Mike and I said, Mike, uh, would you have any problem if the Vincent started to attend Lion and Lamb? You might ask, why did you do that? Well, see, remember, Mike knew me at TBC. And I wasn't sure that we'd be. Welcome, but he was very gracious, and he said, sure, come on in, and uh, we, at that time, they were meeting in the Stone Table Theater, maybe 80 people or so. Uh, that was, you know, pretty much the capacity there, and uh, after, a, when, when we got there, uh, it just felt just right, okay? Wasn't too big, wasn't too small, we'd experienced both. It was just right. And beyond that, I was attracted by the leadership model that they had there. Mike was the only elder at the time, uh, but he, he was encouraging other men to teach, and he wasn't trying to be the top of the pyramid, uh, which was good. And finally, Mike came to me and said, Kent, you want to take a stab at teaching? And I said, are you sure you want me to? Again, Mike knew me from TBC, uh, and I think he was desperate. Uh, <laughs> So my first message was actually in 2007, um, and uh, I chose as the passage Ephesians 4, uh, and that kind of described the church that I was looking for and that I thought that I had found. Uh, and there, it's, it, it, Paul encourages everyone to maturity so that you may be no longer children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. Rather... Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined together and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow, I think primarily spiritually, so that it builds itself up in love. And that's what I saw in Lion and Lamb Church not just like-minded people, but a critical mass of folks who, were, who wanted to contribute, who wanted to work together and build up the body in love. Paul goes back to this in, in 1 Corinthians 12 when he says, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. And at Lion and Lamb, I saw unity in diversity. Different backgrounds, people from a lot of different church traditions, ages, unified in one spirit with a high percentage of active involvement and in ministry. Uh, Paul goes on in 1 Corinthians 12 to, in, to encourage the differing gifts as members uh, and the interdependence of each member of the body, whether a foot, an ear, a nose, a hand or an eye. Then it says, that there may be no division in the body, 
but that the members may have the same care one for another. If one member suffers, all the members suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. You are the body of Christ and individually members of it, of that body. God has blessed this body so much with individual members who selflessly contribute to the building up of the body. Paul says in in, uh, Romans 12, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. The servants at Lion and Lamb serve humbly, often without due recognition. Uh, Lion and Lamb is not a country club for the elite and the perfect. Rather, we want it to be a hospital for sinners who want to be healed and grow to be strong and healthy spiritually. To connect with their father through the work of Jesus Christ. Again in Romans 12, for as in one body we have many members and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, individually members one of another. Paul exhorts to use the differing gifts according to the grace given to us for serving, teaching, exhorting, giving, lending, leading, showing mercy and care and compassion for others. Members of Lion Lamb recognize that we all have different gifts. Some focus on serving with certain gifts in the worship team and setting up the Lord's table and uh, caring for the young in the nursery, uh, the Sunday school, The tech teams, God bless them, they have the hardest job. Uh, (laughs) Fixing broken stuff around the building. Others are active in outside ministries and care for the outcasts and personal evangelism. That is a huge strength of this body. Looking forward, Paul exhorts to us all to genuine love for one another with brotherly affection. We're to outdo one another in showing honor, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. We are to contribute to the needs of the saints and show hospitality, get together, and love one another. Bless those who persecute you. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Associate with the lowly. And as much as it depends upon you, live peaceably with all. Now, I think you know that we are here not about numbers. We're not, our goal is not to become a mega church. And frankly, with the teaching you get here, I don't think we ever have to worry about that. Um, we don't want to be a mile wide and an inch deep. We also don't want to be a little creek, but maybe half a mile wide and a hundred feet deep would be good. We want anyone that God leads here to be incorporated That means to be in the corpus, in the body, and become a vital part of that body. God has brought many new families to Lion and Lamb, which we so much appreciate, so many great families, uh, and we've pretty much grown to our capacity in these facilities. Our vision and hope is that each will find not just a comfortable place, not just a good fit in which to go through life, but for each of you and and us to become engaged as productive, contributing, and active members of a healthy body. So if 
if you're new here or even if you're, you've been here for a while and you do not think that you have started to function as a member of the body, please talk to us about how you might do that. Consider covenant membership within the body, but please, please get involved with some small group because Sunday morning is great, but it's not being part of the body. Paul tells us that we need to honor and recognize those who are serving behind the scenes, and we should be doing that. And I hope you've heard by now or understand by now that the leaders are not here about recognition. I just want to say that the other leaders, the deacons and the other elders, are to a man all humble servants. And finally, I think we all need to thank God for the unique initiative investment, and personal sacrifice of Mike and Kathy Halpin. As the youngest of the elders, I get to go last. Um, hey, it's fun to remember things. I remember our first Sunday was when we were meeting in the Ramada Inn. And honestly, we were not feeling lion and lamb at that point. Um, I remember that ride home in the car going, eh, I don't know about this. Uh, but anybody who knows Pam Foreman knows that Pam is relentless. And we live in the same neighborhood as Pam, and so Pam would harangue us regularly about coming to church. And so, uh, kind of like the judge who said, this woman's going to wear me out unless I, <laughs> I give her what she wants. So we'd like, okay, we'll come. And so, so here we are. And I remember the conversations about this building. Uh, that was not an easy decision. We came over here and we looked, and uh, somebody said, man, it looks like the rapture happened here in, in 1985. <laughs> Like, I don't know. And there's pictures of uh, Joe with a, what were you doing with a board buffer or something? We were trying to take, we were trying to take glue off the floor in the basement. And um, it, was a, it was a mess. We were not, I think even after, a few months afterward, we were like, do we make the right decision? I'm not sure about this. But anyway, here we are. And so it's good. So if you know me at all, you know that uh, Chick-fil-A is one of my favorite places. I love Chick-fil-A, and so I have a Chick-fil-A hat, and uh, used to be everybody at Chick-fil-A knew me. I don't know anybody there now, but, uh, uh, but I like Chick-fil-A. In fact, we had dinner there last night. And so uh, th I'm getting, this will make sense here in a minute. You guys, bear with me. It's not just that I love Chick-fil-A and want to talk about them. But uh, they consistently rank in the top of surveys for fast food restaurants, and, and that didn't happen by accident. So when Truett Cathy founded Chick-fil-A, he decided from the get-go what kind of organization he wanted to have. He said, I want to build an organization on integrity, and we're going to do things right. And he, he hired people that were going to be faithful to that vision. And when they start a new franchise, that's an extensive process. We had a friend, a military friend that went through it. I think it was almost like a year-long process before they approve you. And he eventually pulled out because he uh, found another job at that point. 
But they want to make sure that they have somebody that is going to perpetuate their vision. They are, are going to do, they're going to be faithful to the Chick-fil-A brand. Okay? So when you go to a Chick-fil-A, it doesn't matter what Chick-fil-A it is in any part of the country. They're characterized by a few things. Uh, good food. Some of you may disagree with that, and I'll fight you to the death over that. Uh, good food, fast service, and friendly people. That's what they're characterized by. Okay, and that's that's intentional. Everybody is on board with that. So here at Lion and Lamb, we're characterized by a few things, right? If I were to ask you, what is Lion and Lamb characterized by? You'd say good Bible teaching. We've mentioned that several times. Okay, conservative theology, uh, family friendly. We love kids. You guys have tons of them, and we and we love them, and you keep having them, which is great. Okay. And so those are all good things, and they're things that I'm glad and thankful that we're characterized by. And so as we remember the past and as we look forward to the future, there's another thing that, and not that we're not characterized by this, but there's something else that I would love, my hope and prayer, is that Lion and Lamb would be characterized by in the next 25 years if God gives us that long. And that's that we would be a people that make much of Jesus. Uh, when I pray up here, I say that a lot, and uh, Mike will even make fun of me about it. That uh, I say that I want to make much of Jesus. Now, what does that mean? That sounds like Christianese, right? Make much of Jesus. But what it means, it, it comes to me most clearly in the story of Peter and, and John before the Sanhedrin, right? Peter and John are praying. Uh, they're preaching the gospel, and they get hauled in before the Sanhedrin, and they get threatened and told not to preach in this name any longer. And then the scripture says that the Sanhedrin, the, the leaders looked at them and saw that they were uneducated men. They, they hadn't gone to rabbinical school and they weren't part of the leadership. They were uneducated men. And then it says, but they recognized that they had been with Jesus. How'd they know that? Other than these guys were out there preaching, they did the things that Jesus did. They cared about Jesus's priorities. They reached in the same way that Jesus did. And so I want that to be said of us. And, and so the question is, that how do we do that? And I just want to really, because I only have uh, a few minutes, really quickly look at a couple of things from Philippians 1 as how we can make much of Jesus. And so Paul is writing to the Philippian church. It's a church he founded. He's writing to them from prison in Rome. And this is what he says. He says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you, that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation, and that from God. And so... We can make much of Jesus by being of one mind. We've talked a lot about unity. That's been kind of a theme, and we didn't plan that. Loyal love and unity. And one of the ways that we make much of Jesus is that we, as a church, we decide that we're going to be of one mind. Doesn't mean we're all going to think the same way, that we're going we're gonna to think the same things. But in one mind, we're going to stand firm. So we're going to resist, as a church, we're going to resist cultural pressure inside and outside the church to, to redefine scripture, to say that, um, that 
Adam was not a historical person, that the first parts of Genesis are, uh, are myth. We're going to resist those pressures. We're going to resist pressure from inside and outside the church to redefine what it means to be made in the image of God, men and women. We're going to resist those pressures. We're going we're to have that same mind together. And then Paul's going to go on. He says, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Mike and I meet on Wednesdays to, to pray before staff meeting. And one of the things we regularly lament is that we don't see people come to faith very often. And there's lots of reasons for that. But, okay, I'm confessing for myself, but one of the reasons, guys, has to be that we don't strive. We don't strive for the gospel. And striving means you put effort and you put energy into it. And so... As we're looking forward, I want to challenge us to do this. I want to challenge us to strive side by side for the faith of the gospel. You know, I believe that uh, even in this crazy world that God is still saving people. I, I believe that God is still in the business. I don't believe the harvest is over yet because we're still here. If the harvest was over, we wouldn't be here. And so I really want to challenge us. Let's Let's make this part of the next year to strive for the faith of the gospel. Let's encourage each other. Let's make it part of our normal Sunday routine to say, hey, are you praying for somebody? Are you sharing the gospel with somebody? And if the answer is yes, then let's pray for that person too. Let's strive for the faith of the gospel. And then, and listen, it's not that we're clever it's not that we have the best presentation. It's, it's none of that. It's, it's let's depend on God to do what only he can do and ask him to let us be part of it. And then let's celebrate. Let's celebrate and anticipate that God is going to bring people to faith through our ministry, through our striving. And when he does, let's celebrate with that. Let's make sure that God gets all the credit for that. And then finally, Paul is going to say, uh, in no way alarmed by your opponents. Okay, it's a sign of destruction for them. Um, we, live in, we live in a crazy world, and it gets crazier every single day. So just this past week, 11 pro-life protesters were indicted by the Department of Justice. And two weeks ago, um, the FBI raided the home of another pro-life protester. Guns drawn. SWAT team style, in front of his kids, handcuffed him, okay? I'm 57, never in my life did I think that I would see something like that, never, okay? But this is the world that we live in, and it's easy to get scared about that. It's easy to get into siege mentality, and it's easy to get into bunker mode, what's going to happen and be afraid of it. Paul says don't do that. In no way alarmed by our opponents. You know what? There's, there's absolutely no reason to be afraid of anything the world can throw at us. Because you know what? Everybody in here, your days are numbered and not one of them will fail. You won't fail to reach the number of days that God has planned for you. You're not going to die a second before God intends for you to die. God is the one that holds our life in his hands. And nobody can take us from that. You know, Roman, read Romans 8, right? That's in, in terms of persecution. Nothing can take us out of God's hands. 
And so there's absolutely no reason to fear. So, so that's my hope for us. That's my, my prayer for us is that we would be of one mind, that we'd stand firm, that we'd strive together for the faith of the gospel, and that we would not be afraid, that we wouldn't be fearful of anybody. Um, we were joking up here earlier as we were praying, you know, are we going to be here for the next 25 years? Um, what, what they'll be? I don't know. I don't know if any of us will be here or not. It's possible. Um, but whether, whether this group of elders or is or not, you know, my hope is that there is a lion and lamb church. If God doesn't come back, um, it'd be okay if he did. It'd be great. Um, but if he doesn't, uh, then maybe some of the kids sitting here will be up here talking about uh, the past 25 years. That'd be really cool. So I hope there, I hope there is um, a, a body of believers that God has kept together and has been faithful to continue on. So I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up, and uh, we're going to worship God together in song. Father, we thank you so much um, for your covenant and steadfast love. Dear God, just for the ways that you have preserved and protected this church and for the people that you have brought here, dear God, we just thank you for all of that. And Father, as we go uh, forward, whatever time you give us, dear God, if it's five minutes or, or five years or 50 years or 500 years, uh, Father, let us be faithful to the call that you put on our lives. Let us be faithful to uh, the work that you have for us to do. God, we ask that you would help us to be part of what you're doing in this world, that you help us to be part of the harvest um, that you're bringing. And God, that as we grow uh, closer to you, dear God, that we would just love each other well, that we'd love you more and more, and just ask for you to be, uh, be helping us in that, dear God. Uh, Father, let us make much of you as we worship. Amen. Please stand.